Welcome to the Virgin Active Minds podcast by Virgin Active, where we dive deep into conversations with the best and the brightest minds in the health and well-being world. If you've got questions about health, exercise, or any dimension of well-being, we've got the answers one expert at a time. I'm Mark Cito, your host, because I love all things well-being, from exercise, work, relationships, and going deep inside our minds. I'm here to explore it all with you. This is what they came for. In this episode, I speak to Rich Lucano. Rich is the Sydney-based producer, composer, and sonic strategist. Under his production moniker Fondue, his shadowy blend of warped, introspective electronica explores the tug-of-wars of the mind. His fascination with the mind is driven by his work with the Indigo Project, the innovative mental health organisation for which he is music director. In collaboration with founder and head psychologist Mary Huang, Rich performs immersive sonic installations and is showcased at the likes of the Art Gallery of New South Wales, Vivid in Sydney, and most recently, the Sydney Opera House. It's been a big start to 2021, with Rich releasing his debut album, as well as a two-hour collection of original audio experiences to accompany the release of Mary Huang's first book, Darkness is Golden. By day, Rich is a composer and sonic branding consultant, working with brands like Skype, Virgin, Virgin Active, and Absolute to craft sounds that enrich culture. I really hope you enjoy this chat with Rich as we discuss the science of music. Enjoy. Rich Lucano, thank you so much for joining us today. Hey, Mark. I am super excited to be talking the science of music with you. Super powerful topic, I think, but potentially something we don't often think about. So I think our listeners are going to find this super interesting. And thank you again for being here with us. Yeah, happy to be here. Hope, hope, hoping I can live up to the task. <laughs> uh, first question for you. Give us a bit of an idea on who you are. I know you've done some really cool stuff, so good to get a broad picture of what you're up to. Yeah, sure. So, yeah, my name's Rich. Um, I am a music producer, a composer, and um, a sonic branding strategist, which is kind of like a fancy way of saying that I consult brands on their sounds and, um, and, and, and write sound and music for them. So I guess I... I'm really lucky because I get to work with music in a number of ways. Um, I make my own music for myself under the name Fondue, which is my kind of electronic outfit. You know, by day I'm, I sort of compose and write for film, TV um, and work in sonic branding, which involves a lot of composition. And then I also work very closely with, I guess, music and mental health through the Indigo Project. I'm the music director at the Indigo Project, which is a progressive mental health organization and psychology practice. I guess the point of difference being that we do a lot of work uh, that, that kind of sits at the cross-section of, of music and mental health. And that's usually in the form of installations, ceremonies, kind of really fusing art with uh, some of these sort of deeper topics. So yeah, most... Most recently, we've presented one of those ceremonies at the Opera House. It's probably been the highlight of my last couple of months. 
uh, we ran a, a letting go ceremony. Me and when I say we, I should say me and uh, my partner Mary Hoang, who's the uh, the founder and head psychologist at the Indigo Project. We ran one of these ceremonies at the Opera House, and um, I got to say that's yeah, that's definitely been something I've been still trying to process <laughs> over the last couple of months that 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 actually happened. So yeah, that's a kind of general overview of of what occupies me. You know, when I'm not following Liverpool Football Club updates. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. Well, thanks for that little uh, little overview. And I'm excited to dive deeper into a lot of those. Um, but firstly, congratulations on your the release of your debut album this year. Oh, thank you. How was that? Yeah, weird. You know, it's uh, it's such a big deal, and life is just. I don't know. Life is so crazy. You sort of have these these ideas in your head of what these sort of moments are going to feel like and, and what they're going to do. And I'm, I was really happy with how it's how it's all rolled out. But um, the oldest track on the album is probably seven years old. So I've been sitting on a lot of this material for a long time. But uh, it's it's an incredible feeling. You know what it's like. It's like when you kind of when your wardrobe doesn't completely reflect who you think you are. You know, and you kind of <laughs> you kind of walking around in old clothes. It's like yeah, this is. This is my outfit. This is what I look like, you know. Um, right. It's like I've been making this stuff for so long, but people haven't heard it. So it's it's, it's nice to kind of uh, bridge that gap a little bit. Beautiful. Well, it's marinated, right? Or it's aged like a good wine. Hopefully. Well, where can people find it? And and remind, how do you pronounce the name? It's pronounced uh, Fondupe and it's spelled P-H-O-N-D-U-P-E. So yeah, that album came out on my own label, Aircon Records, uh, a couple of months ago, and um, yeah, I'm I'm going to be touring that uh, from June onwards. Oh, fantastic! Around the country. Uh, at the moment, Sydney, Melbourne, Adelaide. If uh, if anybody else would like to hear me, please let me know. Any Darwin listeners, hit me up. <laughs> hit him up on the gram. So, guys, you've heard it here. Go and check it out. Um, we can find it on Spotify, right? Yeah, Spotify, Apple Music, et cetera, et cetera. But enough self-promotion. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling very uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll move on. We'll move on. Um, I do have a question, though, in regards to all of the cool things you've done. Is there any favorites? Is there any favorite people you've worked in with? Any favorite projects? I know you just said the Opera House was pretty, a uh, pretty special moment. You know what? Like, there's the thing that that, that that just feels most significant is definitely the journey that um, me and my partner have taken with these uh, immersive experiment experiences with these ceremonies that we run. I think for me, the one that 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 feels most special is is an experience called death meditation, um, where basically. Um, you know, we, we, we put a lot of effort into the feeling of the room, the lighting, the color. You come into a room, um, you lay down on a mat with a pillow, you close your eyes, and then I perform. It's about a half an hour composition of, uh, of ambient and, and kind of a minimal, um, minimal sort of piano music while my partner Mary guides over the, over the top a, a visualization. And you basically experience your own death, which sounds incredibly morbid and it's challenging, but I, I use the word significant because I can't think of another experience apart from these sort of recent events that we've done where 
where I'm playing and, and I'm, I'm watching people visibly moved. You know, I'm, I'm seeing people cry in front of me. I'm seeing people really process uh, things. And, and that is such a, a, uh, an important factor of what we do is, is giving people the space to, to sort of feel and process. But um, uh, I would say death meditation. And we did nine performances of that at, the, at this incredible, very historic venue in Melbourne called the SB. I think we definitely need to see that in more places other than the SB in Melbourne. It'd be great to see that up here. Well, I will say, um, and jumping around here, but it, it is now on Spotify if people would like to experience it. In, in January, I released a, a two-hour soundtrack um, to Mary Hyang's book, Darkness is Golden, which is an incredible self-help book about um, basically dealing with life's messiness and, and personal transformation. So we we packaged a lot of those audio experiences up and recorded them. It took me a lot of last year to do. And so you can act, the book kind of peaks. I hope I'm not ruining it. I don't think I'm ruining it uh, with the death meditation. So if you would like to experience that, you can just, you can uh, jump on Spotify and search for darkness is golden audio experiences and you will find, you will find it. Awesome. Well, guys, we'll make sure we've got that in the notes as well. So if you didn't quite get that, I'll make sure it's in the notes so you can find the link. Great. We can do this in the comfort of our own home. I've got a question for you that we ask everyone. What motivates you to get out of bed in the morning? I would say possibility. I think if it's ever hard to get up in the morning, it's because I'm not seeing the possibilities or I'm too caught up in my own bullshit to, to see it. But if you, if you open up to possibility, you know, that's, that's usually what makes life exciting. True. Endless possibilities, right? <laughs> All right. Let's dive into some questions for you. We're talking about music. We're talking about sound. Where does music come from? And is there a scientific standpoint for what music is? It's a big one. Straight I love, I love, I love that we just dive straight in with, <laughs> with like one, of, one of the hardest questions I've ever been asked. Okay. Let's, let's just talk about this on a very non-scientific human level, right? We're born with a heartbeat. So we're sort of... Yep genetically fused with rhythm we we speak to communicate and there's like a, there's a melody or a like a a cadence to the way that we relate to each other and if we don't communicate we don't survive so in a way a melody is intrinsic to our survival and that also then takes it to sound i mean sound is intrinsic to our survival we need of all the senses we receive sound the quickest faster than sight and that's a that's a survival mechanism that allows us to protect ourselves from from oncoming predators but i guess just taking it back to music like hang on i've got some i've got some really shitty definitions here so Vocal or instrumental sounds combined in such a way as to produce beauty or form, harmony and expression of emotion, which sounds like very nice, but I listen to plenty of music that isn't beautiful. One definition was a sound perceived as pleasingly harmonious. You know, is is metal pleasingly harmonious? I don't know. Yeah. It sounds like there is no real universal kind of description on what music is and do you think maybe music is like art it's like it's in the eye of the in the ears of the beholder or something well i think music and art are very similar in the sense that to define music and art is really to define existence 
you know, it's like asking somebody to define God or define the universe or, I mean, pick your belief system and, 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 and define that because it's, it's always been there in some way. Like maybe we discovered it at some point as Neanderthals and realized that we could reproduce it, but, but music has always been there. And so I think music as we know it, um, the closest that I could get to, to, and this is, I'm not saying this is the best definition by any means, but I would say that it comes from our desire to communicate, um, our, a desire to express something, but also um, from our desire to feel its effects. Like we wouldn't have kept engaging with music for thousands of years if it didn't elicit a response from us. So it's obviously, it's obviously there's something that we, we like about it and we can get, we'll get into that later. You know, but sometimes it's an interpretation of our imagination. Sometimes it's an expression of our world or our emotions. Um, but I can't think of a time when music isn't communicating anything. And so it is, at its core, it is it is expression. And I think that that definition, it makes sense from like a Dua Lipa track right through to, you know, bird song, whale song, the healing rituals and Amazonian ayahuasca ceremonies you know, indigenous Australian song lines that are the expression of their inter- interpretation of consciousness and existence and creation. I mean, the, the common denominator is expression and, and communication. I guess following that, when it comes to the psychology around music, I mean, I'm sure everyone here listening, we've cried to a certain song. You know, we've certain songs amp us up to dance. Some songs just make us happy. Some songs can completely relax us can you explain that a bit to us how does it elicit these emotions and reactions yeah so music is one of the most powerful ways um, that we can access our emotions i mean music affects us in in four main ways physiologically so we feel music in our in our body cognitively which which means it it influences our mind our thoughts how we think Uh, psychologically which is um very much linked to to our emotions and then behaviorally, which is, you know, it, it, it can elicit a, a response where we actually change our behavior in, in response to it. There are some great studies around uh, how certain wine stores, when they played French music, the, the, the French wine sold better, you know, um, when they played German music, the German wine sold better. And, um, and so music's, music's affecting us all the time, whether we realize it, or not, which can sound daunting, but that's the reason we engage with it so much because we know that it can um, influence our mood. We know that work is easier when we listen to music. It puts us in a better mood. Tying this to the sort of work that we do at Indigo is, is, is the concept of emo diversity. So have you seen Inside Out, the Disney, the Pixar film? No, I haven't. Inside Out is one of the best movies ever made. I'm just putting this out there. You have to watch Inside Out. It literally, it got me out of depression. That's how good it was. It's literally, it's a life-changing movie. They consulted with a a bunch of psychologists and neuroscientists around the concept of emo diversity, which is kind of the thesis that underpins the film. And, and, And the thesis is basically that like, we're really hooked on happy. We're hooked on the good emotions that we like to label, but really... Good mental health is predicted by feeling all of the emotions. 
not just some of them. You can't selectively numb emotions. You can't say, I want to numb this pain, but also I want to feel really good. If you numb some, you numb all of them. And if you open yourself up to all of them, you you feel higher highs. You definitely feel the impact of, of your sadness a lot more, but you're more in tune with yourself and therefore you feel more in life. And so it's a really powerful school of thought. At Indigo, we partnered up with a doctor of, of music, a, a behavioral psychologist called Dr. Amanda Kraust, who looks at the ways that, in, uh, that music impacts our behavior um, and our emotions. So for the last uh, five years, we've been running these monthly ceremonies at the Indigo Project where we basically kind of become emotional DJs <laughs> in a way. We we craft, we curate a, a sonic journey that, that takes you on, I, I guess, a, a, a bit of a path where we guide you to feel certain emotions. And the idea is that you are left in, in a place where you are feeling like you've you've processed something by the end of it, you're feeling uh, uplifted by the end of it, but there's definitely a big part of it is giving people to, the space to feel uncomfortable emotions because we don't like to feel uncomfortable emotions. We run away from them, we grab our phones, we scroll, we jump on Instagram for 25 minutes and we avoid it. So what music can do is faster than, than anything, help us to, to tap into these emotions Music is a really powerful way of, of tuning into where you're at and feeling where you're at. So through the work that we've done with Dr. Amanda Krauss, we've discovered that, that this process of sitting with what we would most people would call uncomfortable emotions through music is an incredibly powerful way of catharsis. So we, through this study, um, we found that the majority of respondents said that they felt a sense of catharsis or that they had worked through something, which is incredible because there is some guidance within the session. But for the most part, you're lying down in the dark with your eyes closed listening to music. Mm. And like that sounds so simple, um, but it's so rare that we listen to music without doing anything else. And when we put the phone away, when we close our eyes, when we, when we just connect what it actually does, if it's the right kind of music. And when I say the right kind, I think for the most part, instrumental soundtrack music is great. Um, ambient music. It, it, it allows us to tune into ourselves. Music where we don't have to necessarily fo follow the narrative of, of the composer or, or performer um, through their lyrics. Lyrics can distract us or take us into their story, which can also impact our emotions. I mean, it definitely does. Um, but speaking specifically to this experience, yeah, it's, I think, a really powerful way of tapping in. Do you think that music sound can almost be a fast track? It's like straight to the vein. 100%. When we were first trialing the death meditation, uh, Mary wrote, honestly, probably 10 different scripts. And we ran a session where we took people through it. And this is before the music had been done. And it was, it was powerful. But when we added music, it was, I mean, it, it, it felt like a proper rite of passage. It felt like something that you're there to experience. And the people who went through it with music felt like they had in that moment actually let something go, mm -hmm. you know, actually shifted something within themselves. You know, but think about the key musical moments in your life and, and why they were important. It all comes back to emotion. You know, you, you, can't, you can't have one without the other. 
And it doesn't necessarily have to be a, a challenging or sad emotion. You know, some of the best musical experiences we've had are having the time of our lives at festivals or raves or, mm. you know, whatever else. So, um, you know, it, I'll just say it again, you know, it all, it all comes back to emotion. Yeah, I guess there are definitely still those moments when I can remember being at a friend's birthday party at Club Paradiso in Amsterdam, you know, nearly 20 years ago. But I can still hear the track and feel those emotions from that moment almost 20 years ago. And when I hear even just a few notes of that track on the radio or whatever, it's incredible how it just instantly takes me straight back. And like seeing, you know, the, the enjoyment and the happiness on my friends' faces, like it's just, it's just so, so powerful. Yeah, there's so, there's so much going on there. There's so much to unpack, you know. I mean, I think we all have X tracks where we're, I literally cannot listen to that song anymore because it yeah. reminds me of that person. Um, <laughs> you know, like there are a couple of Radiohead songs where I'm like, I relied on those way too much. Like I actually can't. I cannot listen. I cannot listen to them. Um, so, you know, I, I guess association is such a huge thing with music and, you know, it's why music is so subjective is that, is that music is, is so tied to your lived experience. Some people may adore techno. Some people may find it, you know, abrasive and anxiety inducing, but that pertains to the environment in which you've experienced techno music. You know, the same goes for metal Mm -hmm. in terms of uh, the cognitive link. There's a huge neurological kind of influence there where there are these neural pathways that are, that are formed by our experience that shape our understanding um, of something. But then also I think on a, you know, on a level of kind of quantum physics, it's really interesting as well because you think about the senses. How would we know we existed if it weren't for the senses, right? Like how would we know How would we know that the floor underneath us existed if we couldn't feel it, you know, like if we couldn't see or we couldn't hear or we couldn't feel? I mean, that is, that is how we interpret our reality. So it makes complete sense that the sense that you receive the quickest triggers memories, it elicits an emotional response is because that is a vital um, receptor for how you are interpreting that moment in your reality. I've never really thought about that. Like how, what, how would we even understand our existence without these senses? And sound is such a huge part, right? Like it's a massive, massive part on how we engage with the world uh, and not necessarily just sound, but also the, you know, rhythm and movement that comes with it. Yeah. You know, there's, there is art in everything. There is sound in, in, in most things. Um, but, but yeah, you nailed it. Everything is a vibration from the way that we perceive light to the way that we perceive sound. And where it gets really trippy is when you start to consider that there are, there are different living things that, that see the world and hear the world completely different to us. So who's to say that the way that we interpret the world is the true form? Mm-hmm. Um, my next question is around, I guess, different styles of music and sound. I remember reading one thing that has influenced some things that I play in a yoga class, for example. So I heard that the bird sound, right, like happy bird sound 
can elicit a calming effect because when we were evolving out in the savannah, if the birds were singing, usually it meant there was no predators, right? We could relax because the birds were singing. But when things become silent, the birds were gone then you'd be you'd be a bit on edge, right? Because potentially there's a predator. So, you know, at the start of a, as people are entering the yoga studio, I've played bird sounds. You know, they've just left their busy day at work. Maybe it's having some sort of positive effect. And you mentioned, you know, ambient music, for example, being a potentially positive style of music to elicit an emotional response for how you're feeling there and then. Do you think all styles are created equal or there's certain styles that we could be listening to? Yeah, so, you you know, if you think about the conversation we were having about associations, you know, those associations, they're not just built, and dispositions, they're not just built within our lifetime. They're built into our DNA. And these associations, you know, I mean, they can be built over generations. So the idea that, yeah, the birds sing when the sun is out. We feel good um, when we are being hit by the sun and when when the weather is nice. But to the to the contrary, I also don't think in many ways we were made to be living in silent houses. We feel good when we hear nature sounds. It makes us feel connected. Anecdotally, I'll never forget my parents. They live in the Blue Mountains and they've lived in um, in a pretty old place for, for many years. They knocked it down, built a new place and you know, the, the Blue Mountains is just t- completely alive with, with birdsong. It's, 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 it's beautiful. And my dad kept saying to me, I don't know what it is, this new house. We you know, spent all this money on it. It took us years to build and I can't sleep. I don't know what it is. And realized that they had double glazing. And essentially he was sleeping in complete silence. And complete silence indicates that something's wrong because even – when you're sleeping in a cave or even when you're sleeping, you hear something, you hear crickets or you hear, you know, there is just enough noise to let you know that things are all right. And I think complete silence can actually be quite alarming. But to, to take that to, to the different ways that um, you ask, are all genres created equally? You know, the interesting variable when we were doing this research with, uh, with Dr. Krauss is that I guess pleasing music is the term that's used. And, and pleasing is obviously subjective. Pleasing music can relax you. Pleasing music can calm you. It, 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 it really depends on what music uh, you align with. However, as a composer, and what's really interesting about film music is that your job is to understand the music that more or less the majority of people would would react a certain way to and to sort of say, well, okay, I think there's a good chance that this is going to elicit a sad response. This is going to elicit a sense of fear. Um, and obviously there's, there's more emotions than happy, sad, fear, anger. But as a general sort of table, I think it's the work of a composer is really fascinating because you do have to dive into that. And there's been so many studies on this over the years, but I, th- I think the main the main factor is pace. Generally, we feel more relaxed with slower music, but we, we I can't say that slower music makes you feel happy or sad because you could hear a happy or a sad slow track. I would say, though, that it's very difficult to feel sad to a fast track. You are also driven to movement with faster music, and that is typically 
um, consistent across most fast music. Obviously, rules. There's plenty of ways you can break these rules. This is generally speaking. I think that has to do with the relativity to our own heartbeat. To be honest, we have a, our own internal rhythm that never stops as long as we're alive, and so that's the kind of pulse against which everything is measured. Um, I think yeah, where it gets really fascinating is that for the non-musicians, you know, major keys and minor keys. A major key might be, let's say, oh, I'm going to use some really basic examples here. Let's say Mary had a little lamb. Like sounds very happy, right? Uh, a minor key uh, may be like uh, Furlice, you know. Um, and, you know, a simplistic view is that minor keys make us feel sad and major keys make us feel happy. But this has also been disproven. There's plenty of cultures around the world where they they use minor music in Spain and Bulgaria, some of the traditional music there, very minor based, but it's performed very fast. And so again, it, it's just sort of, it comes back to the pace of the music. If you were to slow it down, maybe it would feel sad, but because of the speed that it's played at, those cultures actually interpret that as as happy music. So yeah, I guess... Genres aren't all created equally. Your lived experience brings a lot to it, but I do think that there are some objective lines that that can dictate how we interpret emotion through music. Mm. I know we've done a bit of work previously uh, via Listen to help create these musical journeys that our members go through. There's a certain pace of music when you come through reception. And then when you go to the change rooms, it's a little bit different again. And then, of course, up on the gym floor, everyone can hear the difference. But then if you go to a cycle class, you know, the track that the teacher is playing while everyone's walking into the room, getting set up on their bikes, to then the different tracks they're playing throughout the body of the actual class, and then they've got this cool-down track. Can you can you kind of elaborate on how that is creating this sort of journey in regards to exercise yeah i think i'm going to take it somewhere completely different firstly you know i had someone say to me oh, do, do you really think that incense changes the way that someone feels and i said well, well yeah like it's it's smell smells one of your senses but you know it's it's shaping that experience and there's a there's a lot of uh, chemical effects that are going on music releases dopamine in the dorsal and ventral stratums. Um, we know that stress passes through the, the hypothalamus um, to the adrenal glands and the adrenal glands create cortisol, which can be known as a stress hormone. So like music can lower the level of cortisol released. So consider that in a, in a yoga or a, or a meditation environment, you're actually feeling less stressed if you're listening to the, to the right kind of music. The amygdala is a big one. Sometimes it's referred to as the fear center of the brain. So the amygdala swells when we're stressed or afraid. But when we listen to pleasing music, uh, less blood is pumped into the amygdala and it, it, it shrinks. And then there's, there's oxytocin, like the sort of bonding hormone, you know, that, that we only otherwise get when we have physical touch or sex or, you know, during breastfeeding. We get that through music. So, you know, that's, that's not an exhaustive list of the effects that music has on us. But I think what that supports is this idea that music is one of the ultimate mood enhancers. And if you are feeling good, from there you... Can, you can train harder, you can push harder, you can, you can retain more, 
you can focus better. It's having this uh, effect on, on, on everything we're doing within that moment. And really, it just comes down to how it changes the base level of how we're feeling. In terms of movement, there have been, there've been a bunch of studies that have been done. And I, you know, one, of, one of the most interesting ones for me is around something called mirror neurons. So people have been trying to figure out why music makes us want to move um, and I guess in turn is, is great for exercise. And one of the, you know, again, there's, there's a lot of research into this. This is just sort of one school of thought. But basically, you know, up until recently, in order to make music, movement was required. Yeah. Like before the days of laptop music. And again, this is built into us. We know that a drum sound involves somebody hitting a drum. How many times have you heard a guitar solo and played air guitar? Like you just naturally do, do that, right? You sort of do this, the, the, the movement. So our brains are, are sort of hardwired to make us move and sort of synchronize with music regardless of our intention. And so basically the concept of, of, of mirror neurons is that these mirror neurons in our brain that activate when a person is performing an action, but also when they're watching someone else do it or envisaging that action so if we're listening to a an up-tempo dance track there is there's fast drums going on there we actually somewhere within us we feel as if we're playing those drums we feel as if we're playing those instruments and the concept is that that in turn uh inspires movement which i think is pretty cool I think that's really cool. And I did want to ask you that question in regards to music and exercise and movement. Do you think that the right music within the right style of class or the right kind of movement can help us to learn movement better? If we make it super simple, if I'm learning to lunge up and down, up and down, if I'm doing that for the first time without music compared to with music, do you think that I would probably be more proficient faster if I was doing it to the beat of a track? Well, as someone who has just started their first high-intensity training ever, I'm just going to say I hate lunges. <laughs> <laughs> so I've been trying to learn to lunge, right? And I can guarantee you that if the music wasn't blaring, I probably would have tapped out. But let's go back to some of our earlier points, which is that lunges suck. No one wants to do them, but we do them because whatever, they're part of the, the training routine. And so I guess on a on a cognitive level, how is music helping in that moment? Well, it's helping because you're doing something that is painful. You're doing something that actually like can get to a point where it's not feeling good, yeah? But the music is counterbalancing that by releasing these chemicals in your brain and enhancing your mood. If you're doing the lunges without the music, you're not getting the chemical release. You're just feeling the pain. So that's one explanation. Another explanation is, is that the music can reduce the perceived effort that it takes for you to, to do those lunches. And then in terms of memory, you know, we know there's some incredible studies linking music and memory. And again, going back to your example of, of, um, of, your fr- of, the, of the music that reminds you of, of partying with your friends, it's so closely linked with how you're creating an emotion, eliciting an emotion within that moment that's linked to that track. So 
I remember learning lunges to Black Rebel Motorcycle Club. It's, it's almost becomes hardwired into you. So it's fantastic for learning, really, learning anything, but, but absolutely tenfold for, for physical activity. And do you think to dive just a, a tiny little bit deeper on that, if I'm doing a, a cycling class and the music is obviously, you know, it's still a really important part of that class, but I'm not necessarily moving to the beat of the music, you know, it's kind of, it's a big part, it's nice and loud, but it's, it's almost background because my movements don't match the beat of the music. But then compare that to a cycling class where my legs are moving to the actual beat, you know, one, two, three, four. Do you think there's a difference with that? Mm, I notice a massive difference, you know, and, and, and I, don't have the, I don't have the research around this. But for me personally, you know, I love running and it has to be 75 BPM to like to 85 or, or, or double speed, which is like 150 to, to, to 170. Or I find it really hard to, to tap in. But when I lock in, you know, I listen to a lot of jungle and, and sort of drum and bass when I run. And because it's a perfect, it's the perfect tempo, you sort of feel like you're one with the music. But I don't know if that's just because I'm very aware of tempos. I imagine there's plenty of people who just think, hey, like the music's faster. I'm going to cycle harder. I'm going to run harder. Just personally, I notice a huge difference. I guess it's like dancing, right? Like when you're dancing, you try and dance to the beat. That, that's, that's why house music is so popular. House music, like that tempo of house music, in my opinion, is the easiest to dance to, you know, kind of 120 to 127 BPM or thereabouts. It just makes the most sense a lot of hip-hop between 80 to 90 or sort of early hip-hop between 80 to 90 is a bit trickier to dance to sort of newer styles of uh of like trap and drill and um you know even like going to dubstep and that sort of stuff they are you know they they can be easy to dance to um but there is something universal about there's something universal about about house music that i think taps into some sort of uh human rhythm but then, you know, if I went to a drum and bass show and I tried to dance in time, I'd look like a total idiot. Like it's so fast. Mm. So it's definitely not necessarily about syncing up completely. Um, but, 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 but going back to our point, you know, that it's the pace that influences us the most. Interesting you brought up this idea of memory. It was something I was thinking about when I guess thinking about this podcast. It's like, why is it that I can hear the first few notes of a song from the 90s, right? And I might not have heard this song since the 90s. And then as soon as the lyrics start, I can sing it. Like I remember the words. I mean, I can barely remember what I did last week. But then this song, for some reason, after all of these years, I can remember all of the lyrics. Do you think that that recollection is it a cognitive thing like is it making me smarter or is it an emotional thing well let me start by asking because this is important has how old were you in the 90s it was my teenage years i finished high school in 99 there you go that's really important and there've been there've been a huge amount of studies around this there's a few different sides to it the one i'll start with is that when you're a teenager you're experiencing everything for the first time 
everything is new. You know, your first kiss, your first time driving, your first job, your first time going out by yourself. I mean, the world is so exciting and everything is a massive deal. And, and a huge part of that is we're, we're looking, we're searching for our identity. And a big part of the research that's come out around this is on how music is so closely tied to our identity. We use music in our teenage years as self-definition. It's a, it's a form of acceptance. It's a form of belonging. And maybe more than any other time of our life, it is involved with these kind of uh, unofficial rites of passage that we take, you know, your first music festival, your first concert, your first clubbing experience, your first house party, whatever it might be. And and the music that you listen to, you know, it defines who you are. I mean, I, I wouldn't leave the house without a Strokes T-shirt on. You know, as we get older, our values shift. You know, there's just things that become more important to us. And as much as music plays a role, it doesn't necessarily define us. But it's easy to forget that there was a point in your life when that was the case. You were the music that you liked. And so with that in mind, there's a lot of research actually out around the fact that the music that you connected with between 13 and 25, I think is the, is the bracket, is probably the music that you will resonate with the most for your entire life because you were basically forming who you are uh, within those years and it played such a vital role in that. On the memory side of things and the recall side of things, music is, is being used uh, so much in working with people who suffer Alzheimer's and, and, and dementia. You know, I'm just going to, I might just tell my own story actually, which is my partner's father was in the latter stages of, uh, of Parkinson's and was, I mean, essentially comatose. And we were going over to visit him in Vietnam every couple of months. And, you know, I'd never spoken to him before. I never got the chance to speak to him when he could speak. And um, I would just sit by his bedside table playing music. And this one day I had read something that said, not only is it the music from your sort of 13 to 25, but music from a very sort of emotionally intense periods of your life as well can really leave that lasting effect on you again taking it back to emotion and he they had fled vietnam for australia as part of, you know during the vietnam war in i'm going to say i'm going to say 79 and so i decided to search for vietnamese music from 1979 and you know i had a couple of tries and you know he, he kind of just moved a little bit and then we played this one track and he, I repeat, he wasn't speaking. He started singing every word of this song. And, and I mean, melody, words, and everyone, I mean, everyone just burst into tears, sort of sit around, sitting around this hospital bed. And, I, I mean, I couldn't believe it. I hadn't heard him speak, and, and he, was, he was just going for it. And that is a reaction that is, is not uncommon within the music therapy space with people who, who are suffering from these, uh, I guess, neurological issues. So that for me showed me firsthand how hardwired this stuff is into us and how long it stays with us. But I think for me, and again, this is just my own take on it, I do think we focus a lot on the mind, but the more that I appreciate how we store emotions within our body, the more that these kind of stories sort of prove to me that even when someone is mentally no longer there, the emotions that are stored within their body 
can can be tapped into through music. And so in a sense, I think by re-triggering those emotions, the brain probably then just plays catch up, right? And the lyrics come back and the, the, the melodies come back. But I know I keep harping on about this, but I, I really think it comes down to emotion. I really think that there is an unavoidable emotional reaction that happens when that music is is heard that then triggers everything else. So. Mm-hmm. I love that you brought up the idea of like this embodiment of it. You know, it's not just a mind thing. It's not just a brain thing. And it's potentially, you know, it's within us without even us knowing consciously that it's within us. Yeah, you know, another example is that I went to R&B Fridays a couple of years ago and... To see, I, I went to take my auntie to see Janet Jackson. I'm like, I have a deep love for Janet Jackson. And I didn't realize 50 Cent was opening. And I grew up listening to a lot of hip hop and kind of going there. I was like, oh, whatever, 50 Cent. And then he started playing and I knew every word. I was almost embarrassed. I was screaming every lyric. Like, where did this come from? I, like you said, I couldn't even tell you what the songs were, but somehow I hadn't remembered. And, you know, just the same thing. I was, I would have been 14, 13. And um, I was G unit. G unit defined me. <laughs> <laughs> there it is the power of music. <laughs> I just wanted to talk about the neurological system for a moment. There's this forest bathing. I spend a lot of time in the bush when, if I'm not working, not in the city, I try and be in nature camping, hiking, or just sitting in the bush, right? Absorbing what's there. And it makes me feel good. I can remember being a 10-year-old sitting in the bush behind our, up behind our house and just feeling good, right? And now there's this thing called forest bathing. So I think someone's just given a name to what potentially a lot of us have been doing naturally. And the literature around forest bathing is that if you can spend two hours in the forest, listening to the sounds, smelling the smells, you know, kind of being super mindful and aware of where you're at, then it can have a significant positive effect on your neurological system, right? It can kind of downregulate your nervous system. From what we've already spoken about, I would assume that music could potentially have a similar effect, right? Yeah, I guess the the sound journeys that you've experienced, and you know, I'm not going to like pretend that we invented sound journeys they've sound journeys has been used for thousands of years and, you know you think about tibetan singing bowls you think about the way the ditch has been used um, for healing in australia for fifty thousand years this process of being in the forest it's kind of a vehicle that allows you to connect with yourself and I, you know, I think that music, it, it does do the same effect, but there is something required of you in order to experience it in that way. I guess a big part of the indigo kind of philosophy in, in, in how you can use music to your advantage and for the advantage of your mental health is to grab a pair of headphones, preferably noise cancelling. Make sure that your phone is, you know, either offline or do not disturb and to take, I would say as little as 15 minutes, but it could even be five minutes out and to just sit with a few tracks that, that you love. And, you know, I encourage anyone listening to, to do this, you know, even with songs that you've heard before, because you will be shocked at what those songs bring up in you when they're not playing in the background while you smash out emails or fill out spreadsheets or clean the house. 
it's a completely different way of experiencing music. Um, you know, it can be refer- it's referred to as active listening. It's a form of mindfulness. And, and, and just to guide you through that a little bit, there's different ways when you're in that mode that you can engage with it. You can focus on the sounds and, and really zone in on the actual sound of the instruments. Or you can let your mind wander and follow that through. What imagery is the, the music bringing up for you? One of the craziest effects of listen up and, and, and one of the craziest bits of feedback we got from the research study is how visual the experience was. People, are, people would come to these experiences and, and report on having near psychedelic visuals. They're talking like seeing dragons and, 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 and serpents and all they're doing is lying down, listening to music. It's not something that we do. And so, the, the, you know, the third way that we can in, engage with music uh, in this way is, is by using this, this active listening to, to help us tune in to, to what we're feeling in the body. You know, does the music make you feel sad? Um, if it does, where do you feel the sadness? Does it make you feel anxious? Like what does that anxiety look like? What does it feel like? And that practice in itself, um, the practice of recognizing what the music brings up for you emotionally and being with that, um, that's actually, uh, you know, a form of practicing self-acceptance and self-love, which they sound like fluffy terms. But if you, if you consider that, again, this practice allows you to just be with yourself and accept where you're at at the time. It's, it's one of the most powerful ways that you can do that. And you can do that in ideally 15 minutes. But if you want to get started, you could try like one track a day every morning for five minutes. And, um, and I actually think you notice a huge difference with your mental health because it's a form of, of paying attention to yourself and kind of honoring the way you're at. So that's my hot self-care tip. you've heard it here guys um that is the takeaway you know i've done a few of your sound journeys and since those times as well i've also you know i've implemented that in some of my yoga calm classes where you know we are doing yin style yoga poses so it's a very still calm easy practice to follow but have made the playlist the focus you know like it's just how often, as you said, do we just lie down and listen to music where it isn't this background noise? You're engaging fully with the sounds of the tracks or it's sometimes even the lyric of a track or whatever. We just don't do it. But the as we've just spoken about for the last hour and 15 minutes, the power of sound and music is so great. So why aren't we more often giving ourselves these moments to really experience that and to let music do its thing? Yeah, it's this, it's this weird paradox where we have more access to music than ever before and yet we are less willing to give it our undivided attention. And, you know, I think back in the days when buying a record was a treasured experience, the record was expensive, you, you know, you had to wait for it to come out, it came out. You weren't sure if it was in stock. You came home, you put it on, you gave your full attention to that record. And, you know, this is just one of the dangers of the sheer amount of music that's available to us. You know, any song ever made at your fingertips for free, more or less, means that, you know, we have to set up the experience ourselves. It's good on one hand. In a way, we can, we can kind of play puppeteer with our moods. Um, because we can we can be connected to music twenty four seven, 
But on the other hand, there is this sort of wealth and depth that comes from giving your full attention to a track that I think is missed if you're not doing this. So listeners, that's your takeaway. Go and do that. Connect with me and let me know how you go. Rich, my last question for you, which uh, we do ask all of our guests, it's a big one. What do you want more than anything else in this life? Pizza. (laughs) Oh, great. (laughs) I mean, it's not a lie. Um, Honestly, the dream for me is, is to be able to live a life where I am using my own music to benefit other people, really. It is the case at the moment, and I, all I would really want is for that to continue to be the case. So, yeah, that's that's the dream. Well, I am glad you are living this dream and bringing it to the world. Thank you so much for spending this time with us. Um, where can people find you? You can find my own personal electronic music at uh, at Fondue P H O N D U P E on Spotify, Apple Music, Instagram, Facebook. You can find The Indigo Project at theindigoproject.com.au and you can find the immersive audio experiences we were talking about on Spotify by searching for Darkness is Golden Audio Experiences. You'll find all the original music that I wrote for that that book. And you can find my own personal composition and sort of advertising stuff at richlucano.com. L-U-C-A-N-O. Awesome. Thank you so much, Rick. Cheers. Thanks so much for having me. See ya. Thanks so much for pressing play today. How cool is the power of music and sound? I hope you've really enjoyed this chat with Rich and I. If you're loving this podcast, then please press subscribe. Tell all your friends and family about the Active Minds podcast with Virgin Active. Until next time. Bye for now.